How many of you would like to be able to go back to the start? With the wisdom you have now, start over? Oh, man, today we're talking about adventure and the adventure of life, walking with Jesus. And uh, I want to say something that uh, is probably obvious, uh, but I want you to consider. Every, Every adventure begins with a first step. You know that? Every adventure, doesn't matter how far you're going, begins with a first step, whether that's packing your bags, whether that's buying the ticket, whether that's unloading. I don't know if you've ever hiked a trail or, or summited a hill, but every time I have summited a mountain, which aren't numerous, but there, there are a few, and every time I have summited, it, it takes a first step. And, and nobody says it's going to be easy, but there's something about halfway up that you you never knew it was going to hurt this bad on the way up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, and uh, one of the things, I tell you, one of the things I love here in Utah is I love to snowboard. And if you don't know that about me yet, uh, now you do. And I do. I really enjoy it. And one of the cool things here is that the out-of-bounds lines, and it's different in Oregon where I, I spend a lot of time. And so one of the things, the out-of-bounds lines are, are actually just suggestions. They aren't, they aren't actually boundaries. You're not actually supposed to stay in them. In fact, here, they're kind of this thing where they're directions. They point to where the good stuff is. It says the good stuff is over there, okay, and you're on your own. We're just not going to come get you, all right? Inside the lines, we'll, we'll come get you, but outside the lines, you're on your own. And so every time I hike, um, there's a first step. And I remember the last time I hiked, and I know that in about 13 seconds, my, my lungs are going to be dying already, all right? But there is, there is something about... Man, the lines that you get from way up there that are just magic. And, and, and there's something about the snow up there that is just magic. And so here's what every adventure begins with a first step. And, and here's the thing is, uh, and I just want to go there with you because walking this walk with Jesus, um, there, there's a first step available for you and me today. Okay, there's a first step. It's not like you started your first step back here and because maybe you went uh, not the perfect direction or you went, that's not the way it is. It's not like you, you have to go back to the start that God walking with him is, is like failing forward. It's like course correction all the time and that God has a walk for you that the first step can be today right from the seat that you're in. All right, so I want, I want you to think about that as we go. I do want to share with you a little bit about my story and uh, just about who I am. Um, it's really, uh, of course, I know who I am, so it's easy to know who I am. Does that make sense? It's easy for me to know who I am. And, and some of you have said, you know, well, I don't really even know who you are. Like, I, I kind of know your name and I kind of know your style and I kind of, but I don't really even know what brought you here. And so I want to tell you guys a little bit about that today and and my prayer is that as we look at the word as well, that you'll be encouraged that, um, that God meets us in our way. It's, it's, not about, it's not about the destination that you or I missed, that, that he meets us in the way. And, and here's the thing is that we have the opportunity to take the first step in his direction today towards the things that he's called us for, all right? Um, Let's, uh, let's, in fact, would you pray for me um, even now? I just want to pray as a share because um, 
there's a tremendous opportunity for me to just tell you a bunch of things. And my goal really would be that in telling you about the walk that, that Christ has given to me that, that about my life, that, that actually you would hear from him. And so I don't want you to really hear from me. Um, because like somebody just prayed for me, in a thousand years, our goal isn't that anyone would know our names, but that, that many, many people would know Jesus' name. Amen? All right, so let's get started. God, uh, as we jump in here, it's, it's my prayer that you would speak to people here, that your Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts and to their minds, that you would, that you would give them creativity and joy in life and pursue in you. Um, God, would you speak to your, your children here today? In Jesus' name, amen. And so if you're here and you aren't a Christian yet, um, some of this sounds a little bit weird, and uh, I just want you to kind of track along with and, uh, and, and just consider uh, what we're speaking about. But I, I just want to acknowledge from the start that as I talk about hearing from God and knowing, knowing what he's called us to in life, that getting direction from God, that's going to sound a little bit weird. Um, but I... I want you to listen to it anyways, all right? So here we go. Um, my, my family, when I grew up, my, when I was born, my, my parents weren't Christians. Uh, my mom, uh, she had been Catholic her whole life, and uh, some of you might have met Christ at a Catholic church, um, but my mom didn't. And she grew up, and she was actually a teacher, and went through the whole process. And uh, my dad was like Episcopalian, or kind of that, a couple times a year, and then 15, 20 years without church at all, and, and just... My dad, this is the way he describes it. He says, I was, I was 30 years old. I had a beautiful wife. I had three kids. I had a house. I had my own business. I had everything that everybody says you're supposed to have. And I was miserable. H- have you ever been there? Have you had everything that you were supposed to have and you know that you don't have anything? You, you have everything that everyone says you are supposed to do and, and you're checking off all the boxes and this is what life is supposed to be about and yet you have this incredible angst that there's more. And so that's where he's at. And they, they moved out to the country. They bought their second house and I was five. I'm the oldest. I have uh, a mom and a dad. Uh, and they, they built a house out in the country and they still live in that same house. And, um, and, and then I have three sisters and uh, they're all younger than me since I'm the oldest. And... Uh, and so my, uh, my mom and dad went out to the country, and my mom assumed the next Sunday that they would drive to Mass. And my dad said, there is no way that we're driving 15 minutes to church. There is no way we're driving 15 minutes to go to Mass, all right? And, um, and so there was a church a mile down the street, this little uh, Christian, non-denominational church. And they went, and my dad just kind of went, like maybe some of you came today just to kind of appease his wife and to go through the routine of that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that pattern of life? Okay, most of us have. And so, so we, uh, he, he went and um, just blown away. Not by, not by fancy speaking, not by amazing music, not by blown away by the notion that he heard for the first time that he could be forgiven in life. And his life changed radically. He says, I got saved the next 10 weeks in a row. I said, God, if it didn't happen last week, have it in this week, okay? This is the story that I grew up with, all right? And so by the time I was 10, and my parents came to know Christ. They trusted in him, and, and their lives began to change. Have you ever watched that in your parents? Some of you uh, have seen your parents change. Some of you have seen siblings change. Have you, have you watched Jesus come into somebody's life and totally transform them? 
And so as a kid, um, I grew up going to church and doing stuff like Adventure Canyon and going to Sunday school. And, and by the time I was nine, uh, at uh, an after-school kind of kids program, I said, God, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to be forgiven. I know I have sinned. Forgive me. And, and Christ came into my life. And when you grow up in church, and some of you young people here, or some of you not-so-young people who grew up in church, there's a tremendous difficulty to play by the rules, right? Because, because you have all of this inside of you, and, and, and you, you have a faith that's growing, but you're still a kid, right? And, and you have this, and some of you might even still be stuck in this, where you, you know if you show up, and if you look right, and you say the right things at the right time, that that it kind of looks like you're walking it out, right? And when nobody's around, then you, then you can go a different direction. And so as a kid, every kid, and parent, here's the thing. If, if you're a parent, you've got to know that your kids, they struggle with this. Because, because as real as their faith is, and as much as it is, that there is that growing up where you have to, you have to take it on for yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so pray for your kids as they go through that. And don't be a parent who just forces kids to conform to the rules without understanding the heart. Shepherd their heart. And I'm really grateful for parents that did that. But even with parents that do that, you still struggle with putting on the outward show of obedience and, and struggling with the heart. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? All right? So, so uh, there's a couple things that were really significant when I was 14. Uh, and it really wasn't significant for me at the time. Uh, but it became much more significant. There was a guy who had been out in Latin America, and he's kind of from our church, and he'd been out as a missionary for 40 years, and then he came back. So I didn't know him at all. And, but he came back, and he, he gave, uh, a, you know, like a missionary report kind of thing, almost similar to what we did last week, and um, if you were here. And, and he just met me, and, and he might have said this to every 14-year-old kid he knew, but he said, he said Laddie, he said, I want, I want you to know that I'm going to pray for you to serve God as a missionary for your whole life. And that was significant for him. And, um, and it probably, as a 14-year-old kid, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm talking to this old guy. When can I go outside, right? And, uh, and so Roy Nelson, um, he prayed for me for years that I would follow God that way. And so if you're an old guy, okay, and so if you're an old guy, which, which I am now, and, and getting there, and some of you are even further down the line, and so what I want to say is if you're an old guy, man, don't pass up those moments right here, right in the hallway, where you can speak and pray truth and, and vision and calling into somebody. All right? When, when you see something in someone, man, pursue them. Just because you're not their dad doesn't mean that you can't pray for them and encourage them because... Because there are some kids that you just know, and you're going to be an amazing businessman. You're going to be an amazing attorney. You're going to be amazing in your field to some girl. And you can pray for them and, and, and give them vision. Even when they're a child and they don't have it, you can, you can ask God to do good things for them. And so, so anyways, that, that was a pretty significant thing. And by the time I was in 10th grade... Um, again, and, and I'm not saying totally pure-hearted, but trying to walk with Jesus, trying to work it out as a kid, somebody said to me, they said, I think you would be good as a, as a Sunday school teacher, as an AC teacher. And one summer, uh, when I was in 10th grade, I taught my first Sunday school class. And I had all my curriculum, and, and I taught 5th grade boys. And, and I taught for the first time. And, and someone saw in me, as a 10th grader, 
I don't even know who it was. Someone saw in me as a 10th grader um, that God had given me gifts of teaching. And, and someone looked long enough at me to encourage me and give me opportunity into that. And so if you're here and you're part of the church, um, there's, there's a walk for you, um, but your life isn't about you. And, and there's things that you do, maybe, maybe out in the community or, or here or in work, and, and you know that you can, you can help others walk into the things that God has for them simply by encouraging them, giving them opportunity. Now, you know what? There's tons of other things that I did that people gave me opportunities for that have shaped me and helped me. And, uh, but there's something about when, when you get invited to do what you're made for, that's just amazing. And so that was in 10th grade. And, and by the time I finished high school, I knew that there were two options in life. And I want to suggest to you that there are really, there's two options in life. There, there's an option for you to, to go in the direction of what God made you for. And there's, there's an option to go and do what you want to do. And sometimes, here's the thing, sometimes they are so close, but just a few degrees off. Sometimes they are, they're very close and just a few degrees off. And so I always knew that there were two things. I grew up in a family business. Uh, my family is a construction. They're electrical, industrial electrical contractors. And so I grew up working from the time I was a teenager. And of course, I want to say it was from the time I was eight. My parents want to say, no, I was really 17. But, you know, <laughs> by the time I was 13 or 14, I was working in the shop. And by the time we were 16, we were delivering materials and digging ditches and holes and all that kind of stuff. And so, and so, um, I grew up in a family business. And so I said, God, either I'm going to, be an engineer and, and run the family business, or, or I'm going to go into a life of serving you. I'd been on a few missions trips, and, uh, and it just was on my heart. It was an option. But uh, I got a scholarship with the Army, and I got an Army scholarship, and I went to school for the first year in engineering. And I actually loved the Army, and I hated engineering. And I actually had a professor that, that God just totally used to make me hate engineering, right? And... Uh, and so God uses those kinds of people. And so by the end of the year, I'm like, man, I am done with this. I hate this. And, and there was a, a moment in time in a church where I knew that God had called me to serve him. And I hadn't thought about it since I was 14. I hadn't really thought. It. There was a moment in time when I knew God was, was saying, lad, I want you to serve me in, in missions or, or somehow I want you to serve me. And and I really don't even remember it. My dad remembers it because I called him from college and I told him. And I told him I was dropping my scholarship. And, uh, every, you know, it's like every dad's dream. And uh, I told him I was dropping my scholarship and, and that I was going to do ministry with my life. Now, the, here, here's the thing. is I was like an 18-year-old kid. And so I'm a train wreck. You got to understand that there's, if you're a train wreck here today, because we all are, God can call to you in the middle of it and give you a first step to take. Okay, you, nobody ever gets perfect, okay? Nobody ever arrives. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. And, and here's the thing. When God calls you to take a first step on an adventure, you're never ready. You're never ready to get going. You're never ready to do what he's calling you to do. Otherwise, you'd already be doing it, all right? And so, so he called it. So I I'm a wreck. So I was, I was away at school for the first year and I drank a few times and I was getting in a little bit of trouble. I knew the dean, the dean knew my name, you know, like the dean knew my name. And, uh, and, and so uh, I, I was a mess. My world was spinning. And so I, I dropped out of that school and I, 
I didn't know what to do. And to be honest, I worked a little bit for our family's business for the next year, and, and I had good intentions, um, but I wasn't really intentional about where I was going, and I was still spinning. And see, here's the thing. Some of you, you know what God's called you to, but it's been a long time since he called you and since you, you actually got intentional about going that way. I want you to look in, in the Word. Um, uh, let me just start by telling you a little bit of a story. David, um, you all know, uh, if, if it's your first Sunday, you might not know who David is. David was a king of Israel. He's one of the guys in the Bible that, that God says, this is a man after my own heart. And you've got to know that this guy is just a blatant uh, adulterer. He's a murderer. He is a passionate man who sins and screws up completely and royally. And yet he passionately pursues God. There is something about David in the way he passionately repents, in the way he passionately seeks out Jesus, that he says, this is a man after my own heart. And some of you might remember stories of David where David began and he was a shepherd boy and he was kind of the runt of the family. In fact, even when Samuel came to the house because God led him there and said, I'm going to anoint someone here to be king of Israel. He said, one of your sons is king of Israel. Dad didn't even call him in. These are my sons. Uh, he didn't even call him in. Think about that. Put on those sandals for a second. Think about that. Didn't even call him in. David finally comes in, and Samuel says, at really at the age of like 13, 14 years old, says, David, through Samuel, you are going to be the king of Israel. And he anoints him as king of Israel that day at 13 or 14. The most popular or the thing you might know about David is that he killed who? Killed Goliath, okay? He went to the field to, to take his older brother's food out in battle against the Philistines. And he was ticked off, probably as a 15, 16-year-old kid. He was ticked off that these men, and you've heard the story, that they were just cowering underneath the voice of this pagan. He says, who are you to mock my God? He said, I'll go out there and I'll take this guy down. And a 15-year-old delivers Israel that day because he believes God. And there is the heart of a lion in David, okay? So this is this guy at 15 or 16. Let me, just, let me just share with you. So this is a couple years already after he's been anointed as king. And some of you, some of you, check this out, you know that God has called you to something. You know that God has called you to own your own business and to, to be amazing at what he's called you to do and to make a difference in the lives of your family and your employees and your community to be that kind of business. Some of you know that God has called you to make a difference on your street. And he's anointed you for it and you know it. And yet there's years that you're just, you're spinning, you're waiting for something. All right, and so here, here's what happens. David, David is 15 to 17 years old. He, uh, he kills Goliath. Um, and so, listen, it's literally three or four years later that he gets a reputation so high that Saul has heard that not only he's been anointed, but he has this reputation as a leader, and Saul brings him in in the military as his armor bearer, as secret service, as next to the king, his armor bearer, the one closest to the king. All right, he's 19, 20 years old. Okay. Um, by 25, he is made the commander of a thousand men. Okay, 25 years old, he's made the commander of a thousand men. All right. Okay. In that time, in that time, he gets closer. He's given uh, the king's daughter as a wife, 
and the, the, the jealousy between Saul and David starts to grow because the people are singing, Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands, all right? But, but how far are we now? We're 25, we're 10 years plus since he was anointed to be king. 10 years plus. 10 years since, since David took first steps. And still he's not there yet. And then things go south, and by the time he's, he's 30 years old, Saul wants to kill him, and he's running. And he runs for years in the wilderness, and David runs and runs. Now, here's, here's the thing is God is anointed. God's called him to something, and, and he's waited and waited, and he's taken steps, all right? And maybe you know that God has called you to things, and you've taken steps, and yet you're still waiting, Something's causing you to hit pause. So I, uh, I was 19 years old, and I was hitting pause. And, and I was working. I went to community college. I got a scholarship for playing golf, and I'm playing golf and enjoying that and, and drinking more and more, but still keeping the face at, uh, at church and in my life. And so I'm 19, and... Somehow, in the middle of all of this, because I told you that God had called me to, he'd, he called me, and I had signed up for things, and I thought maybe I'll go to Bible college, and maybe I'll go do an internship overseas. And so I signed up for a missions internship and, and school. And to be honest, I got the, on almost the same week, I got this, the letters in the mail that I was accepted to Bible college, and I was on the way to a missions trip. And, and maybe some of you have done this, you You've been involved in ministry. You've been accepted into something. You thought, okay, God, I, I know this is what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start coming to church, and, and I'm, I'm in, right? And yet, on the inside, I am I'm just a, a mess. And, and so my friends said, hey, let's, uh, from home, they said, let's, let's get together. And uh, it's your last week here before you go away to Brazil. I was going to Brazil for the summer for an internship, a missions internship. And um, so why don't you come and say goodbye to us? And uh, we were going to go out to this lake in a bonfire and um, just no excuses. I, I was, comp- I, first time in my life, I was completely drunk by the time I got there. And I'm going away on a missions trip. Going away, and I'm, I'm preaching the next week for the very first time in my, in my home church and talking about going away on a missions trip. And uh, it's like everybody in the world was there, like this little private sin I had that, that I was just tasting and enjoying. Everybody was there. My sister's friends were there. My, like the mayor was there. The president of the United States was there. Like everywhere I turned, there's everyone that I knew, and my sin is just totally exposed. Just right out there. Here's an act. Here's a pursuit with just the, the mess all over. Have you ever been there? And uh, my friend Kevin um, came up to me and he put his arm around me because there were years that I, I hadn't spent with this group of people because that's the way they lived and, and I didn't want to live that way but came up and he put his arm around me and he said, Laddie, he said, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you started hanging out with us again. And it was like the Holy Spirit reached into my heart and just ripped my guts out and put them right there on the ground. And I was destroyed. It didn't change anything for that night. 
But that is the moment in my life where God came to me in the middle of my train wreck and said, follow me. This way that you're going, it doesn't lead anywhere. Follow me, son. And that was the moment in my life um, where God totally turned me around. And, and as an adult, as a, as a young adult, I began to walk out my faith with Jesus with a first step. And it was out of mess. Some of you came to Christ out of mess. Some of you right now have known Jesus for years and you're in the middle of that mess. And I want to tell you that God wants, he wants to call you and say, come to me, daughter. Come to me, son. Step towards me. A week later, I was in Brazil and, uh, and it's like God saved me for myself. He totally pulled me out. I didn't even go home after Brazil. I went straight to college. And, and God really transformed me in his grace. And I began to walk with him. And still, still, I was a, I was a young guy just learning to walk with him, just taking steps towards an adventure with him. And here's what I want you to see, that, that God doesn't call perfect people because there aren't any. God calls you and me not to live life just for us, to live life for him and for others, all right? So David, um, it's like 15 years since he was anointed to be king. And, and let me just say that, I just want to plug the Bible. Um, I, some of you... Um, some of you come here and uh, you check it up on the screens, you know, the verses we do. And, and I just, the Bible is so amazing. Uh, read your Bible. It, it's crazier than anything we say here, right? We, we tone down the Bible for here just because the Bible is, the Bible is the crazy, most radical book you'll ever read because God uses a guy like David and then tells us that he is a complete premeditated adulterer and murderer. And he says, that's a man after my own heart. That doesn't work on a billboard on the highway. It doesn't. But you see, because he uses David, and because even what we're going to study right now about David, he can use you and me. Because some of you are doing what David is, does here. See, David is running from Saul, and he's righteous. He's who he is. In fact, there's a couple of times where David can kill Saul. And, and coming right out of chapter 26 in 1 Samuel, he has an opportunity to kill Saul and he takes his spear and his water jug and he goes and he wakes up the camp and he says, listen, I was right there. I've got his water jug. I've got his spear. And, uh, and Saul says, you're righteous and I'm not. And here's what David says. David in chapter 26, he says, why are you hunting me? He goes, you are going to force me. And check this out. You, this is something you and I don't understand. He says, you and I are going to, you are going to force me to, to go to the land of the Philistines and to worship other gods, okay? He says, that's what you're going to force me to do. For, for Jews, God resided where? Where was the presence of God? It was in the temple, all right? It was in the temple. If you've come to believe in Jesus, the, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is in you and me, all right? There, he, he lived in an ornate, beautiful, okay? It was the tabernacle, actually, before Solomon's temple. And so that's where it lived. And he said, if I have to go to other lands, I have to give up what God's called me to do. I have to give up being anointed. I have to give up worshiping God. Okay? It's been 15 years and he's been waiting. Some of you have been waiting for years to see what God called you to come to happen. 
You've been waiting, and sometimes honorably, and sometimes not honorably, you've been waiting. Maybe you said no to what God called you to, and you're circling, and you've been waiting. And he's been waiting for 15 or 16 years. And he's a 30-year-old man. He's like, I got to get on with my life. And Saul, if you're going to keep hunting me, you're going to force me. You're going to drive me out. And in chapter 27, verse 1 and 2, here's where he comes to. But David thought to himself, one of these days I'll be destroyed by the hand of the Saul, by the hand of Saul. Now check this out. The best thing I can do. And what is he saying? He's saying, I got to settle. So many of us have settled, haven't we? We've settled. You know that God has called you to something, but you've settled. But I've settled. And, and, and so today, I, I just want to let you, just in case you don't get anything else, today, my hope is that you would freshly not settle. Don't settle in life. Here's what he says. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. All right, and so then David and his 600 men and their families went to King Achish uh, in Gath. All right, so they go to the land of the Philistines. And I just want to tell you what chapter 27, what develops. Who is David? David is what? He's He's in the military, right? How many of you have known family members and friends who were who were military, who were soldiers, who were warriors, right, for our country? How many of you know them? Is it easy to come back and to not be a warrior? No. I've got a good friend who is a a captain of a fire department in Oregon, and he loves forest fires, okay? He's not the kind of guy who lights them to love them because you know that happens well. He doesn't love it for the money, although the new boots and the bonus is nice, but check this out. He loves them. Because he's alive in the middle of a fire. It's the only thing he can do to get even close to what life was like, what he was made for, to be special forces. Do you know what I'm talking about? There are people that they get made for something, and it's what we are. You're made for something, and it's what you are. It's what, and if you spend any time not doing what you're made for, what happens? And maybe, maybe as a guy, I can relate to the guys better, but if you spend time doing what you're not made for, what happens to you? It's like you're dying on the inside, isn't it? And David is dying on the inside. He's a king. He's a commander. And what is he? He's on the run. And so David, he goes. He goes and he says, all right, I got, I got, I guess what you called me to is not going to happen. So I'm going to settle. And what does he do for the next year? He becomes a mercenary. And sometimes the things that God gave you as gifts of his Holy Spirit for you to be, the talents that he gave you, you're using them in all the wrong places, in all the wrong directions. And we have a tendency to do that, don't we? God's given us gifts and we're supposed to build up the body and, and take the gospel further with what it, whether he's called you to serve or whether he's called you to give, whether he's called you to pray, whether he's made you an amazing thinker, an engineer. And you use all of those skills in the, in the wrong direction or in a direction that's only for you. And what he's called you to lies. And so, so David, he... He spins and spins, and he goes about as a mercenary, killing men and women and children. 
And he becomes a liar because he's reporting to his king. He says, well, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to kill the Canaanites. Remember when Israel came into the land, God said, get rid of all the, all the people that don't worship me, right? And so, so David actually, he, he, just, he just comes in unannounced and he just wipes out people, men, women, and children. And they're mercenaries and they plunder and they destroy and they leave not a single person alive, brutally. And he tells the king of the Philistines that he's doing it to the families of Judah. And so what, what King Achish says is, this guy is crazy. He's killing his own people. He's lost the plot. This guy, the one anointed to be king, has lost the plot completely. And he's using all of his gifts and all of who he is and all of his skill and all of his army to kill the people of Judah. His people will hate him forever. Now the thing is, is that even though David is, is killing the Canaanites and not really his own family members, he still, he, he gets further and further away from what God calls him to. And if you check out chapter 28 and 29, David goes even further and David finds himself at battle with Saul and Jonathan and the people of Israel. And he is thrilled and excited to be on the battle line against Saul. And his king is now King Achish. This is two years, a year and a half into it. His king is King Achish. And he's fighting as a Philistine. This is David, the man after God's own heart. And he lines up on the battlefield. And God moves. Just like he did in my life. Lined up on the battlefield, so close to slipping, so close to making a number of choices that would change the course, the path. See, God, God stepped in and allowed me to be destroyed. And the walls that I built up, the facades that I built up, and he just tore them down. And David is lined up to fight against Saul. And here's what he does. God allows the, the Philistine kings to say, there's no way we're fighting in battle with David. There's no, David, the one who's killed 10,000s of us and and Saul, he's going to get into the middle of the battle and he's going to turn on us. And Achish says, no, no, this guy has lost the plot. All right, this guy is gone. Because remember, what is David saying to? Who, who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. And sometimes when you and I have waited so long for the things that God's called us to, the only one we're talking to anymore is ourself. David reasoned in his heart, I, I guess this thing wasn't for real. I guess... God isn't really going to use me. And so he reasons with himself, I'm going to settle. And Achish knows it. He's settled. And they're at the battlefield, and the other Philistine kings say, no way. And so Achish sends David and his men away from the battle, right on the battle line, faced against... I mean, do you understand this? He is with the king of Gath, where Goliath came from. They're in battle. They're lined up against each other, just like David was when he called him, when he killed Goliath in battle, and he's on the opposite side now. Do you guys, do you see the picture? It is too funny. David has completely lost the plot. He's ready to fight against King Saul and Jonathan, the one that he delivered, that he was made to deliver years before. And he's on the other side. And he walks away pouting. He's like, I want to fight. We want to fight. What do you mean I'm not good enough to fight you with you? 
you got to trust me. I want to fight against Israel. First Samuel 27 through 30 aren't chapters that we typically teach in Sunday school about David. But see, here's the thing. Nobody says that the walk is easy and nobody likes to say that there's times that it's so hard that we lose our way. In Proverbs, God says this. He says, trust in me, seek me, seek my understanding and I will make all your paths straight. He'll straighten it out for us if we go in his understanding. And whose understanding as David saw it? His own. In fact, if you look through chapter 27 all the way through 30, David never consults God. When's the last time you said, God, what is the the way that you've called me to? What What is my next five years supposed to be like, God? Most of us spend our time looking back either with pride or regret. And most of us spend our time looking forward with hopes and dreams. And what are you doing today? Saying, God, today, what is my step? What is my path? Because here's the thing. You spend all your time in the past. Can, can you change the past? No. You spend all your time in the future. Can you really change the future? You can't. You can worry about it. You can fear for it. But Jesus says, live today and seek me today. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God except through me. No one finds their way. Jesus says this. He says, if anybody wants to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. And he says, my yoke, my, literally the weight of following me is easy and my burden is light. There's joy in it. There's peace in it, unspeakable. And so David walks away from the, the battlefield in chapter 30. And, um, and here's what he says. Uh, David is going back from this town and he's approaching his, his hometown that, that the king has given him and he sees in the distance smoke rising and they take off running and they find that just like they plundered and destroyed cities, that, that the Amalekites have come in and plundered their city and completely destroyed their whole town and they took all of their wives and children with them as plunder. And here's what happens. As David sees everything destroyed before him, for the first time in a year and a half, David, the word says, seeks the Lord. And here's what I want you to see about when he seeks the Lord. Um, This is in chapter 30. I'm just going to read it to you. He sends for the priest. He says, come and uh, bring me the ephod, which... uh, was, um, anyways, it was well, the way they prayed. We don't have time to talk about all that. Uh, the way they prayed, and so he said, be, s- have the priest come. I want to talk to God, all right? So here's the thing. Some of you today, um, you need to talk to God for the first time in a long time and say, God, which way do you want me to go? Some of you are involved in a, in a train wreck, and it's, it's a mess all around you. And, and here, I just want to, you got to hear this. Here's what he says. David inquired of the Lord, verse 8, he says, Shall I pursue? This is the first time he's talked to him in a couple of years. This is David, the one who's anointed. This is the man after God's own heart. Okay? This is all he says. He says, uh, God, uh, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Okay? David doesn't come with a huge act of repentance. David doesn't come with, with anything. But he says, I'm going to bend my knee to God. 
and I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to say, God, what should I do in the middle of this mess? And God leads him and guides him. And I I just want to say quickly to you, talk to God. Say, God, what do I do? Because he will answer you. If you come to him, he will answer you and he will give you the next step. And God did. He gave me the next step. And I wasn't perfect and I'm still not perfect. So I went to Bible college. Crystal and I met. Um, We, uh, obviously, I fell madly in love with her. And uh, we got married a couple years later. We finished up school. Went to grad school. And and there's a number of stories I could tell you and maybe I'll tell you them someday in the future just about, about choosing steps. There's always ways to go my own way. I can tell you number of situations, just like you could, number of situations where I had the opportunity to do something that made sense, but, but I knew God was calling me this way. And this way was stable and had income, and this way had nothing. But I knew God was calling me this way. And ask God, God, what's my first step? Because today, you're going to take a first step away from your chair. Today, you're going to take a first step away from here. What is my first step out of this mess that I'm in? And and David does. And I want you to know that within a matter of months, in that battle that he was supposed to fight in, do you know who dies? Saul and Jonathan. And do you know who becomes king in a matter of months? David. Do you know how close he was? How close he was to abandoning the plot completely? And God doesn't squash him, though he could have and should have. God doesn't, Say, who are you to talk to me? You haven't been around in two years. And he doesn't say that to you or me when we haven't been around in two years. His goal is that you would fail forward into the things that he has called you to because all of us fail and he doesn't want you to fail back to the start. He wants you to fail forward into the stuff that he's called you to. I'm out of time, and uh, I was going to talk a little bit about where we were at just before we were here. If you're really interested in knowing more about where we were at uh, just before we were here, um, we're going uh, to close, and, um, and I'll make an opportunity for that. Here's the thing. God is so amazing to use people like you and me. I want for you the things that God has called you to. And so often, you and I, we settle for rubbish. We settle for the stuff that we would create when God, he would create so much more for you. He could create so much out of you because you're amazing. You're his child. You're made in his image. And I would love that for you. And today you have the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to step into what you, I don't know what it is. Would you lead me to that first step into the adventure of walking with you? We're going we're gonna to worship. We're going we're gonna to start with a closer. And, and I want to encourage you to ask God, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, show me. Give me direction. Help me to give everything I am for your kingdom's cause, Lord. 
God, as we come before you and as we close, God, I know there's people here who don't know you yet, and this is bizarre. And so, God, I pray that you would that you would speak to their heart and that you would tell them and let them know that, that there's more, that you love them and you pursue them. And I pray for... Uh, my brothers and sisters here, God, who know you and who have settled. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters here would help me not to settle, not to settle for ease, not to settle for comfort, not to settle for what comes naturally to me, but to push further into what you have called me to. And God, that's my prayer for each one here, that our families would be amazing, God. that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me and bring me back into your way. Bring me back. Give me a first step back into the direction you've called me to. God, I pray that you would change our communities and our families and our church with men and women who say, God, I want to follow after.